Welcome to the Rooted and Reaching podcast, a ministry of First Baptist Church in Charlottetown, PEI, Canada. At First Baptist Church, our vision is to be people deeply rooted in the amazing gospel of Jesus Christ, who then reach out into our neighborhood, city, and the world as we live and share the good news. Here is this week's Rooted and Reaching message from FBC Charlottetown. Uh, so as I said during host moment, it's in Mark's gospel where we encounter this story of a man so desperate to see his son healed. And so he brings his son to the disciples of Jesus, evidently believing that they could heal him. They would command the boy to be healed. But as it happens, they couldn't. And he wasn't. If you'd like to look at this with me, it's in Mark chapter 9. And we're going to read verses 14 to 24. Uh, I'm reading from the New International Version of Mark 9, 14 to 24. It'll also be on screen. Mark says this, When they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. What are you arguing with them about? He asked. A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son who's possessed by a spirit that's robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. You unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. And when the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground, rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus. Everything is possible for one who believes. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. Help me overcome my unbelief. See, Jesus is intervening here. Has the boy brought to him? The desperate father explains this potentially fatal impact that the boy's condition has had on him since childhood. He's maybe still stinging a little bit from having brought the boy to the disciples only to end up going away disappointed. And so he brings the boy to Jesus, hoping for relief. If Jesus can, he says, help me overcome my unbelief. Jesus picks up on the man's noncommittal words. If you can, Jesus says, Everything is possible for him who believes. And with almost no hesitation, that's when the man says, I do believe. Now, help me overcome my unbelief. Now, on the surface, you know, when we read that sentence, it seems a bit contradictory, maybe, to us. Don't you either believe something or not believe something? Is it possible to hold two opposing positions at the same time? Well, Evidently, according to the scriptures, it is possible. And that's what this whole series for the next four weeks is going to explore. This muddy, 
unclear intersection between having true faith, but at the same time dealing with real doubt. As the man puts it, we can believe, but there are times when we need help to overcome our unbelief. So again, through December, you were submitting questions, challenges to me, circumstances that you yourself might have doubts about or are otherwise struggling to make sense of, while at the exact same time trying to fully live out your Christian faith in Jesus. So I hope to walk through nearly all of those questions and concerns over the next four weeks. And we're going to talk about things like how to deal with opposition to your faith, especially when the opposition to your Christian faith is coming from the Christian community. What do we do with that? We'll explore the concept of godly fear, too. Proverbs 9.10 says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. How do you worship someone that you're afraid of? We'll talk about that. We're also going to talk about, and I'm going to use the exact wording of the questioner, we're going to talk about a woman's place in the church. But today, today to start off this four-part series, we're going to explore about uh, how to discern the voice of God, how to hear the will of God, and to delineate it, to separate it from the voice of the world or our own inner voice. How can we know when we're pleasing God with our life choices as opposed to just, you know, pleasing our own instincts. How do we know we're not folding to the desires of an unbelieving world? How do we have true faith in the face of real doubt? That's our theme for this whole month. Today, it's a combination of two separate submissions that came to me, but I felt that they were closely related, so I've, I've put them together. One of those struggles articulated boiled down to, as I say, how to discern God's voice in one's life from voices that are not God's. And then the second submission, it was similar to this one. It was about how to discern God's involvement in our lives, specifically when it comes to blessings that we recognize, as well as struggles that we might face. For example, when things seem to be going our way, right, and when life is good, we're on that proverbial mountaintop, is that because God is pleased with us and he's blessing us? That's why? Because if that's so, then conversely, when we're in the valley and things are not going so well, then that has to mean that God is punishing us or refining us in some way. Is that possible? Is that true? So that's just what we're going to talk about today. We're going to come down to living out the faith in uncertain times through hearing God, through knowing God better, and we're going to tackle that first part. No, uh, hearing God first. There are those who follow Christ. We might know them. You, you may be, be uh, among those who, when they talk about hearing from God, they're literally talking about hearing from God. Now, there are others who may feel like the, the Holy Spirit saying, nudge, nudge, you should do this or you should do that. And they realize that that's, that's God. 
It's so impressed on them, so timely, so relevant, that it could only be God speaking into that circumstance in that time. And to do anything other than what the Spirit is nudging us toward would be to be uh, uh, disobedient. But as I say, uh, there are those who will say they hear the voice of God in Scripture, that the living Word speaks, and that's how they know what God is saying to them at any given time. Uh, There are spiritual disciplines like Lectio Divina that are rooted in that kind of hearing from God based on His revealed words. But, But as I said, there are those who, when they talk about hearing the voice of God and discerning His will, they're referring to an audible voice of God. They recognize that voice to be God's. And I want to testify to you this morning that that has been the case in my life two times. Once in 2007, once in 2011. In 2007, it was a phrase. In 2011, it was a single word. But both times happened in times of prayer. Both were times when I heard something so audibly relevant and pertinent in that moment, so encouraging, beyond anything I would have come up with, beyond anything I would have thought of, that I just knew I was hearing the voice of God. Now, mainline Protestants will often shrink back from that kind of language, hearing the voice of God audibly. That sounds really Pentecostal for a Baptist church. And yet, Exodus chapter 3, thank you for that laugh, by the way. Exodus chapter 3, recall how Moses, his attention is drawn to this burning bush. It wasn't burning up, so he goes to check it out. And from within the flames, Moses hears the audible voice of God saying, I have a mission for you. I've got something just for you to do. I have a divine calling on your life. Think of young Samuel in 1 Samuel chapter 3, sound asleep, when he hears God call him by name over and over again. The Bible says Samuel didn't actually even know the Lord at that time, but he knew somebody was calling him. Then Matthew 3. I don't know why all of these are in chapter 3, by the way. That's probably something I have to study. But now Matthew 3... It's the baptism of Jesus. We're going to hear this, of course, next week during our baptism time, but let me just share these few words from uh, Matthew 3, 13 to 17. Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. You come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It's proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. And then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Jesus has been immersed. He comes up out of the water and there's an audible voice from heaven saying, this is my son. This is my son whom I love. And with him, I'm well pleased. And I've wondered for a long time, 
in that particular passage, if everyone who was along the water's edge heard that? It doesn't say. Or was that something that only uh, Matthew was meant to hear and then write down? It doesn't say that either. Either way, the voice was audible. The voice was clear and the voice is credited to the Father. God does speak through his spirit. God does speak through his word. God does speak. Here's how these two separate concerns that were submitted to me connect in my thinking. It seems to me that since God does speak, and since God does reveal his will in a variety of ways, that the surest way to recognize whether it's God's voice that I'm hearing and to know that clearly, whether it's silently, whether it's written, whether I've heard it in, uh, in my ears, the way to know that what God wants of me in my life uh, is to strive personally to know him as well as possible, to know that voice ahead of time, to know the things that God says ahead of time, to recognize that voice as being instantly God's. How might we know that we're being blessed by God? How might we know what upsets God? How do we know whether God is just taking us through a period of refining or not? How do we know How might we know if God is truly prompting us to do this or to do that, to go that direction or to go that direction? I think we get closer to the answers to those questions when we start asking ourselves about those questions. Does what I'm hearing, does what I'm sensing, does it line up with what God has already said? what God has already revealed. Uh, If you want to know if God is speaking to you or leading you or if he's actively shaping or reshaping you in ways that feel good or maybe don't feel good at the time, have the courage to ask whether what's being asked of you, what's being called of you is something that you already really, really want to do anyway. It's amazing How many people, how many times people will testify to the way that God made it absolutely clear that they needed to do that thing that they were going to do anyway. God, I just really want to be a missionary to Hawaii. God said yes. Hot dog. It's surprising how often that happens. Now, God could be affirming that you're meant to be a missionary to Hawaii, But stop and think, it may be you that's affirming your desire to be a missionary in Hawaii. I can recall many times, many, many years ago, I was sitting with someone and this person was wondering whether the temptation that they had been facing to participate in an extramarital affair that had been occupying their thought life so much Maybe that was God throwing them a lifeline out of an unhappy marriage. And they wondered aloud to me whether God might be trying to deliver them from something uh, towards something healthier by providing them another more exciting relationship opportunity. My My response was along the lines of, 
Look, given what you know of God, given what you know about God's regard in the Bible for covenant, does go ahead and cheat on your spouse sound like something God would say? That sounds more like something the enemy would say and convince you that it was God saying it. Any message contrary to the truths already revealed in Scripture, anything that you feel you're called to be that is a way of being, living, thinking that Jesus would not be, live, or think is not the voice of God. No matter how much I'm drawn to it, no matter how much I might really enjoy what I think God is calling me to, if it contradicts what God has already said, it's not him. So this entire conversation comes down to how do we discern God's voice among the noise of everyday life in this world? How do we know which voice is God's, which voices are not God's? Because knowing and accepting his will, well, that can be difficult. Because knowing God's will, clearly, discerning what God is calling you to, that takes patience. That's hard for people like me. I don't know if that's hard for people like you. We operate in a drive-through, on-demand culture. We want what we want when we want it. But in his word, God says over 66 books, yeah, that's not actually how he works most of the time. That our timing isn't his timing. That the ways that we want aren't the ways that he wants. As we personally gain more and more knowledge about the character and nature of God as best seen in Jesus, that's when we see God revealing his plans a step at a time. God, what do you want me to do? I want you to take one step. And then I'll tell you what to do after that. God didn't tell Moses from the burning bush everything that was going to happen in Moses' life for the next 40 years. He just said, I have, here's where I want you to start. I want you to go to Pharaoh. I want you to tell him to let the Israelite slaves go. And then we'll talk after that. <laughs> When God called Samuel there in the temple, there was a whole lifetime of ministry ahead for Samuel. But initially, all that Samuel heard from God was what was going to happen to Eli's family. And it was later revealed at the end of chapter 3 where we read that God revealed himself to Samuel through his word. So first the audible voice and then the scriptures. And likewise in Matthew 3. And again, whether it was a whole crowd that heard it, whether it was just Matthew that heard it, God didn't roll out the entire plan of salvation in Christ right there at the water's edge. He just rolled out the part that confirmed Jesus' divine identity as the Son of God. So if we're walking closely with the Lord... If we're truly desiring his will for our lives, God's going to place a desire in our hearts and we'll know it with confidence. The key is in wanting God's will and not our own. Wanting his voice more than any other voice, including our own. 
Psalm 37, 4 says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, when the psalmist talks about our hearts, it's a reference to the center of the human spirit, the place where our emotions, our thoughts, our motivations, our courage, our subsequent actions are rooted. The desires of our hearts. So today, this true faith, real doubt question about knowing God's will, about hearing God's voice, comes down to this, that the longer that we intently walk with the Lord, obeying his word, relying on his spirit, the more we will come to reflexively know his will, discern his voice, and his intentions for us. The Bible calls that being given the mind of Christ, 1 Corinthians 2.16. See, no one knows the Father more intimately than the Son. Nobody knows the plan that the Father has for us like the Son does. And so rather than concerning ourselves with what would Jesus do, why don't we just become familiar with what Jesus did and do that? And in so doing, may God see in us a committed belief in the power of Christ And may he also, in our weakest hours, help us with our unbelief. We have an opportunity today to come before the Lord, asking him to sort out that tension within each one of us. I believe, help me with my unbelief. I've said I want to live for you, but actually here's a few of the things I did last week and I'm not so happy about them. We have a chance to come before God and say, I believe. To remember his body given, to remember his blood shed, and to remember why. So this morning, at several places in our sanctuary, the Lord's Supper is before us. The bread and the cup. And I would encourage you in the next few moments to move to one of those stations, two up here, one on either side there, one at the back, one in the balcony. Take the elements, receive the elements, bring them back to where you're sitting. And then just spend some time in quiet prayer while the rest are being served so that we can take communion together, committing ourselves together to the Lord. I'm going to invite Karen Howard to come forward, one of our deacons, to offer a prayer over our communion elements. You've been listening to the Rooted and Reaching podcast, a weekly ministry of First Baptist Church in Charlottetown, PEI, Canada. Our theme music is inspired by Ben Sound. For more information or to support the ministries of FBC Charlottetown, please visit our website, myfbc.ca, today. If you found the content of today's podcast encouraging, please be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast and drop us a comment. In addition, consider sharing today's Rooted and Reaching podcast with at least one other person this week who might be blessed through it or become better biblically rooted through it. Until next time, thank you for listening.